Hello, hello everyone. This is Heather. And this is Kara. And you're listening to I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking. Today we have a very special guest, Miguel. Hello. Hi, how you girls doing? We're doing great. So glad to have you here for this very special episode. Everyone, get ready because this episode is going to be all about the 1991, now cult classic, the film Point Break. Directed by Catherine Bigelow, written by Rick King and W. Peter Eiliff. Now, Catherine Bigelow, of course. I just out, this is the same Catherine Bigelow that shot the Hurt Locker. You are and a thousand percent correct. Zero Dark Thirty. I, just want, I don't know if you're going to bring that up already, but I, I find out a really interesting fact. This is the same director of Point Break did Hurt Locker, the Jeremy Renner gritty war, Iraq war drama. Anyway, so which which Jeremy Renner is also, he plays for the Marvel Universe. Oh, Hawkeye. There you go. Yep. And then uh, writer Peter Eiliff, he also wrote the film varsity blues and patriot games so, wow really good patriot games very underrated very underrated movie very good so a lot, a lot of talent at on the, a lot of talent this movie john wick is in point break right <laughs> and come on you know it's again patrick's oh it's patrick Swayze. Yeah, it's so, so correct so it stars keanu reeves as johnny utah patrick swayze as bodie Lori Petty as Tyler, Gary Busey as Pappas, and John C. McGinley as Ben Harp, along with a lot of other fantastic actors, which we will mention as we go along. But right off the top, you've got an all-star cast. This is, as you said, this is bursting with talent. Let me say up front to the listeners tuning in, um, if you have not seen the movie Point Break, um, you might want to pause it, the podcast, go and watch the movie, and then come back, because we are going to go way deep on this movie, so I'll give you that opportunity right now. Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> so everybody who has seen the movie, everybody who has seen the movie, welcome, and get ready, because we're going to have some fun. So, uh, Miguel... Oh. We have seen Point Break, I would say, Heather, roughly, what do you think, about 50 times? Probably. And we own it on DVD. Uh, Miguel, how, how many times have you seen Point Break? I've seen it ex exactly once. <laughs> uh, I've been surfing for about uh, 12 years now, and I I've heard a lot of people quote it, and I hear, you know, like this old movie, North Shore, and, you know, people bring this stuff up. I, I just go out there and I surf. I surf all sorts of boards. I've been surfing all over the world. I keep hearing people talk about it. And then finally, uh, both of you mentioned it to me, and I was like, okay, I I'm, I'm going to watch it. Fine. I, I give up. And then it's quarantine. What else is there to do when I'm not surfing? So, one. <laughs> so, we thought this would be a great opportunity to have a point, counterpoint, point break. So that's what we're going to be talking about. 1991 is when this uh, film was released. To give you a rough idea of where we are in the cinematic history, uh, 1991, point, the film Point Break is released, and the film Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey 
that's the sequel to the legendary first film, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That movie was released not only the same year, but just seven days apart. And while they were filming Point Break, Patrick Swayze was in and out of filming because he was obligated to do promotional work for the film Ghost. So that's where we were as a country when this film came out. Okay? And Laura Petty, who plays the female lover interest in this film, uh, in the year after this film was released, A League of Their Own came out, which of course she plays the legendary character, Kit. There's no crying in baseball. (laughs) That's correct. Exactly. I am an FBI agent. (laughs) (laughs) So the budget for this film was $24 million, and the worldwide box office was $83 million. So it was a hit. It did very well, and now it has, it lives as a cult classic, which I don't know if necessarily it qualifies as a cult classic if it was successful when it came out. I don't know the exact how the way that works, but I feel like people refer to it as a cult classic, but I feel like a cult classic is when it bombs. But either way, doesn't matter. It's beloved, we'll say. I think cult classic is just, it just it becomes more popular and more culturally relevant than when it initially came out. So you can't, I don't think we can call like Black Panther a cult classic. Because right. Like immediately everyone was just like, you can't swear on this thing. It's like the new Bible. And <laughs> the same thing with all the Marvel movies. It's like, oh, Avengers Endgame is the greatest movie of all time. So I think that that's the difference is that a cult classic is, is better later on. Like Boondock Saints is, is like an example of a movie that completely failed at the box office because it didn't really get shown anywhere, but cult classic. So this is a, I think this might've been one of the, uh, one of the first uh, real cult classics in my opinion okay. that are actually, they're still, it's still culturally relevant. A lot of other cult cast classics no one talks about anymore, but surfing's not going anywhere. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> if, if we're going from pressing play on the film, you've decided to watch uh, point Break. And so you're pressing play, and we have our opening scene, which we have... Rain is just completely pouring down. It is raining cats and dogs. And we open seeing this young man that is at a shooting range. And he obviously is taking some sort of assessment, some sort of test, because he's shooting targets, he's reloading, and he gets... Positive reviews, 100% Utah, good job. So we can already assume that he is He's training training. for some sort of law enforcement occupation. And to Kara's point, this is something I know. Now, when we watched this for, for the purposes of doing notes for this podcast, we had a way more critical eye than we've ever had um, watching this film. And one of the things I noticed from... From the jump, from this scene, um, where it's raining so hard and it's kind of a darker filter, I was like, I feel like the filter that they're using and the way it's raining so hard, it seems like very similar to the very final scene where it's raining really hard and it's dark. And I'm like, I feel like they filmed those things on the same day. 
if they were shooting in Los Angeles, I would say they definitely had to be filming on the same day because it rains here like maybe two or three days a year. And then when do you also have everyone available to shoot? <laughs> but it's, 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 it's totally plausible. Uh, I think they shot the, uh, the very last scene that takes place in Australia. I think they shot that in Oregon. And it's very plausible that it might have been raining in Oregon. So you're, uh, abs so you're, those were the shooting range you're absolutely correct. So the final scene was filmed that is supposed to be Bells Beach, Australia. It was actually filmed in the location which is called Indian Beach, and it is in Oregon, and it's actually very close by to the same beach that they used for the Twilight films, La Push Beach. So very much that same area. So whether the rain, they had a rain machine or it was actually raining that day. I feel like they filmed it on the same day. I didn't, I didn't compare the hairstyles um, of, of the very first scene to the very final scene. I feel like the very, I, and again, we're jumping way to the end and I'm sorry everybody, but, but you've seen the film if you're sticking with us, so it'll be okay. Um, but I feel like the final scene they wanted to show the passage of time of him searching for Bodhi. So I feel like his hair, Keanu's hair, aka Johnny Utah's hair, is much longer. And he might have not been clean shaven. I can't really, I should have made a note, but I didn't. And in the first scene, he's very, he's all slicked back and he's very clean cut. So I may be wrong. Unless, of course, the, the hair and stuff um, was added on, but I just realized yeah, that, so a, I could I'm be wrong. I'm a frame grab from the, okay. from the end, and then uh, it's at the minute 56 mark, and uh, he's not, he's, he's, uh, he's, he looks pretty scruffy, okay. his hair is like down to his lower neck. Okay, so. okay, so I'm wrong. So, so, our, not the first time. So, our opening but scene, I'm wrong to assume considering they shot most of it in LA and it is raining. Yeah, so, so our opening scene is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> who uh, is at a shooting range. A.K.A. And, Johnny AKA Utah. A.K.A. Johnny Utah. Special agent. And we get from the supervisor, 100% Utah, good job. So we know right away he's an overachiever. And then our next scene is day one in L.A. He is officially his first day as an FBI agent. Uh, the t he was the top... 2% at Quantico, and he is now in the headquarters for bank robbery at the FBI agency located in Los Angeles, California. And we specialize in catching criminals by, quote, crunching data. So we are introduced to John, actor John C. McGinley, a.k.a. Ben Harp, and we go, we are on the most intense walk and talk this side of the west wing when i watched it with a critical eye i was like i'm getting dizzy they are turning so many corners and 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 this ben ben harp is giving him so much information and he's chewing the gum and it's just like oh so right away he's you know he's the he's the man in charge he doesn't he doesn't like the cut of Johnny Utah's jib, even though he's only seen him for five seconds. And he's like really aggressive, unnecessarily so, I feel. And um, Keanu, aka Johnny Utah, tries to alleviate that tension by 
eating a donut right in front of him when I love when, these. I love these. When the when the <laughs> when when Ben Harp went specifically out of his way to make sure and says you have to have a good diet. And I was just like, I mean, isn't that a little bit over the line? Yeah, I I, I think so. <laughs> it's like I've known you for five seconds and I, I'm sorry, but I'm Keanu Reeves in 1991, and you're going to criticize how healthy I look? Are you kidding me? So, Miguel, first impressions of, of our main character, Johnny Utah. Uh, it's, it's, it seems like they're trying to go out of their way to give him, like, a little conflict or make it seem like he has something to overcome. But it's just like, look look at Keanu Reeves. Look, look how... Uh, how how handsome and how great of shape he's in like what what flaw could he could he possibly have and uh I, it's almost as if the writers had like uh you know maybe there's another actor in mind maybe over the course of the movie this person would also get in shape to surf and not just you know be looking awesome right away so uh can it's, I, uh, it's interesting <laughs> can i tell you who was who was up for the role and passed oh who who johnny depp Interesting, interesting. Who who is also very handsome, but not like quite like the, you know, the the uh, the gold standard of, of being in shape. Uh, you usually see him with a lot of clothes on or scissor hands, things like that. So. You wanna who else? Uh, not Gary Busey. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they left him in his in his detective role. <laughs> but that'd be, that'd be funny. Though. Val Kilmer. Ah, uh, I could totally see Val Kilmer doing that. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yes. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah, who played uh, in the in the Doors movie, right? He he played Jim Morrison. Yes, so. and interesting, just just that because you brought that up, the original working title for this film was Riders of the Storm. Wow, uh, that would not have been a cult. I feel <laughs> that would not have been a cult classic if they had, if they had kept with that. The so. studio um, said you need to retitle it. Because Rider of the Storm does not say surfing in any way to us. So you need to change it. True, true. Um, so after we're introduced to Johnny Utah, that he is now a special agent for the L.A. bank robbery headquarters for the FBI, we get introduced to a older agent who is picking up bricks from the bottom of a pool and it is Gary Busey and he's being told he's being issued a new uh, partner who is going to be Johnny Utah. No, it's so funny. When we started watching this, I had no memory of this scene at all. And when we were go directly from uh, Ben Harp shouting at <laughs> Johnny Utah in the office and we just do a direct I don't know if the actual term is a smash cut or what the you would know what's the terminology for a really hard cut it's just hard cut okay or like it's like an rope cut um it's just yeah yeah cut. we go directly to an indoor swimming pool and I was like what I go did did you change the channel where, what happened? She goes, no, no, it's the movie. I go, okay. And there's all these uh, cops. Field agents. Field agents doing some sort of physical stress test of being blindfolded and diving to the bottom of the pool and retrieving bricks. And I was like, oh, is, is Keanu, is this part of his acceptance for 
um, you know, being transferred to this new place. He has to be, and I go, is this our transition to show that he's really good at swimming or something, which then transitioned to him surfing? And it's like, no, we're going to see Gary Busey retrieve a brick from the bottom of the pool. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, what? And I go, I go, I don't remember Gary Busey surfing this way. And no, he doesn't. Gary Busey, Gary Busey in this film never goes in the water. And I'm like, then what was the point? of this scene however he, he does like he, he does keep telling kiana how easy it is and he's just like and and he's on the pier he's like well how hard could it be um and so you know maybe they allude to that but um really weird if i had to guess i'm thinking that while they're on set they had something else totally planned and i think gary Busey just did this all on his own accord that's what i think happened. that's a really good point so he so gary Busey says i feel i've been a field agent for 22 years and I don't see the need or what it shows to retrieve bricks from the bottom of a pool while blindfolded. Which so, I was like, I'm with you. And while he's blindfolded, he then Johnny Utah comes up to him and he goes, I just got to sign some quarterback punk Johnny Unitas or something. And he takes off the blindfold and goes, oh, oh, that's you. Yeah, I'm, I'm the... I'm the quarterback punk. That's me. Which I get that whole scene of, you know, the the uh, mistaken identity or, um, you know, uh, the little bit of tension at the beginning with a new part. All that I think is great. But I feel like that dialogue and that scene didn't or wasn't originally for that setting. Very possible. Maybe there's another scene. Who knows what happened? It's uh, very it's, strange. It's all, and know. I could find nothing. I could find no information to that effect. But to to Jeffrey your Bigelow and the editor, it's between them probably. Yeah, and then so it. But it is interesting. You know, you bring up when they're on the pier, which we'll get to. Um, is that Gary Busey says that it, surfing that surfing can't be that hard. Um, yeah, and he's kind of like a, you know he's 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 a blonde dude. He's got you know he's he like he's a he got he's he's got a little fire in him. He's a little wacky, you know. Like you totally, it's easy if he said that you know oh, I grew up you know or I, I, I until five years ago I was surfing every day. You believe it, right? So who knows? That's interesting. Because I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a fabulous film surfing movie called Big Wednesday. Uh, from 1978, and yet that's a young Gary Busey stars in that film, and his character, his character's nickname is the Masochist, and he's a big wave surfer. And Gary Busey, Gary Busey himself is very, he's a surfer. Um, so it's interesting that he's in this surfing film, and his character never gets in the water, because Gary Busey himself actually does know how to surf, and yeah. he surfed in the film Big Wednesday. Wow, very interesting. So, so then we Best get opportunity. Yes, sure. yes. So then we get to so now we know that Gary Busey and Young or what, Gary Busey's character, um, which is Papa's. So we now we know that Special Agent Papa's and now Johnny Utah are together. So now we've established that part of the story, and then we cut to a bank robbery that's going to be in progress. We see. Uh, a group of, of men putting on masks, and they are all masks representing ex-presidents. And as they are robbing the bank, 
They go into a bank, and as they're riding the bank, they identify themselves as we are the ex-presidents. And so the ex-presidents, uh, you know, they're saying, don't forget to vote. Um, and they're in and out of the bank within 90 seconds. 90 seconds flat from when the moment they walk in the door, they get the money and they get out. Before the police can get there, their code is no one gets shot. And then also they don't go for the vault. Never go for Never the vault. Never go for the vault. So you get, so they're telling you, the, sto- the movie is telling you, these guys have done it before and they will do it again. They have a formula. They have, they have a routine. And their point is they want the money and they do not, they do not want to hurt anyone. And then we cut from the bank robbery scene where we see the ex-presidents and we're going, okay, well, now that we know that Special Agent Utah and Pappas are in the FBI LA field agency for bank robbery, that's why we're seeing this bank robbery, and you go, okay, they're probably going to be investigating this bank robbery, which then they do. So Pappas reveals his theory of who he thinks is robbing all these banks, these ex-presidents. And he believes, and no one else does in the agency, uh, they think he's crazy, but Pappas is crazy, and his theory is that the ex-presidents are surfers. And how does he know that? From mud samples, from sand samples, and then specifically surf wax. A specific flavor and smell of sex wax, which is a wax used for surfboards so there you go yeah i thought that was a good piece of of forensics work to like tie all this stuff together so it could you know kind of lead us to to surfing really interesting way to do it and 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 kind of cool and and surf wax does have a a certain you know special consistency to it you can't just like melt it down and then go like make a candle with it It just does not work so (laughs) so papas gives us a time frame that they only rob banks during the summer, and they have one month left of summer before these ghosts disappear again, and we don't see them until next summer. So the storyline of the film takes place in a one-month time because Pappas tells us there's only one month left of summer, and we need to catch these ex-presidents, a.k.a. surfers, before they go uh, to use all the money from the bank robberies to go travel around the world using the cash. So from start to finish of the film, it's a one month time frame. And again, that they're gonna use the money as cash, as spending money to travel the world and follow the surf around the globe. Which Keanu confirms, he's like, they're using the money to travel the world, search for the endless summer. Makes sense. <laughs> now, Miguel, if you were to uh, rob banks and, and have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash, would you use it? Would you use it to go travel the world? And if you did, where would you go? Oh, um, ex- you know, go, go surfing. I'd, I'd, I'd be going to Australia. I'd be going to uh, Tahiti. You know, I'd be going to Costa Rica. South Africa, J Bay, yeah, I'd be I'd be everywhere surfing just like that. So it's it's not it's not very far fetched, and it's ex- surfing is it can be very expensive, and you have to have a certain lifestyle with a lot of free time. 
So if, if they're, if they're, you know, quote unquote working the summer, which is interesting because they're, they're constantly like surfing throughout the movie while they're doing the ice stuff. So it seems kind of weird. It's just like, Oh yeah. And they just like, you know, then, then they just spend the whole year surfing and, but it's, they're already surfing. So why not just do it, you know, all year? That's what I would do. You know, I, and if I was them, I mean, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, that's going to get you, you know, that's going to get you a couple trips and, and all that. But, uh, I, I would just keep, keep robbing, you know, I would just keep, 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 uh, start another, another, you know, syndicate down in Indonesia or some. Right. And that's my thing is like, well, when they get to these locations, are they again robbing the same kind of using the same sort of routine in the in the countries that they're going to to get m- more money or are they they're bodhi is trying well we find out you know bodhi is you know tri- or bodhisattva he's trying to be very high-minded very zen so it would his character be like oh no we only take so much and then that and then what we have we have to live off that's it we don't take any more um so when they get to these exotic places are they sleeping in the dirt um i guess and you know not eating for uh, only are, eating once are a they, week are they staying at hostels are they renting private planes because <laughs> they are they, they we find out that they do rent a private plane they also have money for skydiving as well right. they they do so, a lot of they, they they do they participate in a lot of extracurricular activities that cost money that aren't free so they're not just robbing banks to pay for fun trips to go surfing. They're also robbing these banks to use the money to do other fun extracurricular extreme sports and activities. So it's interesting in that. Um, and, and, and Bodhi presumably... Which is better than just buying lots of drugs. So, you know, it's, it's, I think overall the movie has a good message. Yes, and what I mean, and Bodhi have I, fun with your friends. Try something new. So, yeah, I, think I think it's great. I think it's great. So, so Bodhi, we assume he owns this house on the beach where all his friends are are presumably living with him. So it's like, wouldn't I mean, couldn't you just pull the records of how he paid for the house? And then connect the dots, and that, then and then that, charge him with tax evasion. I mean, wouldn't that be a shortcut? But we have Gary Busey as the detective, so I think that's kind of where it stops. So, so my next question is: If you were, as you said, you know, you if you're robbing banks, uh, and you're part of this ex-president's crew, which ex-president would you be? Oh, I'd be I'd be Nixon. For sure. You'd be Nixon? Yeah. And I just because the mask looked like the weirdest, you know, because it's just, uh, you know, he's walking around pointing the gun and then he's like looking at, you know, Nixon's nose. And I just like, I just give up my wallet because like I would, I wouldn't be able to think about anything except Nixon's nose. So I wouldn't be able to think about how to get your gun or how to, you know, resist in some way. I would just comply. So I'd pick Nixon. <laughs> okay. The Reagan mask actually looks kind of handsome. Which is probably why Swayze picks that one. So, so, so then we cut to uh, Johnny Utah and Papas go in a surf shop at the pier, buying a very, very brightly colored neon board, 
um, a wetsuit and uh, like a bag of stuff. And he interacts with the Grom at the surf shop. Hope you stay with it. Surfing's the source. Change your life, swear to God. <laughs> he is so adorable. I just love it. He's so pure, just so sweet. And, and so the thing that was, so then we go outside and Keanu's carrying his little shopping tote and he's got this, you know, neon monstrosity of a board and uh, Busey and, Busey and are doing their little chatter. And I'm like, Keanu Reeves is wearing a full-on business suit. And tie. And tie. Buying, buying a surfboard and all the gear at, For, the, at the surf shop at the place that they're going to be staking out and, and go, being being undercover. Wouldn't you yeah. try... Yeah, surfboards, you can't just get them anywhere. Right? <laughs> I would have gone to like some you know, small shop in like Torrance or something and just kept it low key. Or so that's kind of odd. Or yeah, go to a surf shops inland in Los Angeles. Cause you know, it's, it's all LA based movie. Uh, so I found that uh, pretty dumb, but who knows? Uh, what, know, my, my thing is you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Um, also what Morty buys has pink and green and yellow. Like it's all very like neon colors. And, um, you know, if you want to like kind of try and go get respect, it's 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 so easy just to get a surfboard that's white or something. Uh, so um, I found that very odd. Uh, I'm not sure why they. I don't remember if they if that was addressed in the movie why he went for those colors. But, no. Uh, anyway, we'll get to later why I think that they, he liked those colors. I I to your to your point of the neon colors and that it's readily available to buy a quote blank or a, a plain colored board. The other thing he could have done, they could have gone to a secondhand oh, sports sure. shop and gotten a used board that's broken in, that's that's yellowed from the sun, that has dings. Which would, would play into you fitting in. Right. I, I, yeah, obviously... Like, you know, maybe he, he had a friend who surfed, gave it to him, the board, maybe he used to surf. He might he have some more story options, so... Um, the just being going out there being like, uh, you know, I'm a kook, please help me out. Isn't really a great way to get in with, you know, any, any South Bay surfing, uh, surfing crowd. That's, that's the wrong way to do it. So then, so then, uh, Johnny, uh, asked, uh, you know, Papa's the FBI is really going to pay me to learn how to surf. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and Lori Petty uh, were all paid by the movie company to go to Hawaii and learn and train how to surf. Um, so that's a little bit of... The dream. Right? So, so fantastic. Uh, so both Keanu Reeves and Laura, Lori Petty had never surfed before in their life. Uh, despite Keanu's name, um, he was born in Beirut... He has, and he lived, up to that point, he had lived in Australia, New York, and Canada. And Lori Petty uh, was born and lived in Tennessee, and Patrick Swayze was born and lived in Texas. So all of the actors were not very um, ocean-centric um, at the point of making this film. So they definitely needed to do a, a little training session before the film. 
so so Johnny Utah almost drowns the first time he gets in the water, and he ends up getting rescued by a surfer female named Tyler. Okay, so right. you tell you tell me. Can you talk about me. the wave real quick that he's on? Yes. Like, it, they give you, like, a surfer's uh, perspective of that. Um, so that wave he tries to take off on that, that just clobbers him um, is, is a, it's a pretty nice-looking A-frame. It looks like it could go left or right, but that's what an A-frame is. Uh, you know, you, typically two surfers are next to each other paddling on the same wave that's an A-frame. One will go left, one will go right. Um, the courtesy is to say, hey, you're going left or right, you know, try to make it happen, not just, like, go get in a fight. But, you know, there's a lot of surfers that just uh, – aren't that good and they'd rather just get in a fight but um he's on the wave by himself dream scenario he can go left or right but he goes straight which is the wrong thing to do and it looks like like an eight foot wave and um do you guys know like what that beach was supposed to was it supposed to be manhattan beach or redondo beach so it it was supposed to be a beach eight or nine foot day oh sorry go ahead it was supposed to be a beach in la next to the pier in which they bought the the gear from at the surf shop because when they stop on the pier they look over and point out surfers that they want to try and infiltrate that specific point um so So it's not like a specific place no um you know if if it was actually like because that definitely was a wave that was shot in hawaii there's there's no way uh, it'd be pretty rare for that wave to occur in la but if you're on the pier and it's breaking like eight to nine foot, you wouldn't be able to, to like hear your hear like two people talk like you know quite so clearly. It would you would have been apparent when they were on the pier that the surf was that big, and that's not the kind of surf to go learn in. I don't care how much of a former football star like you know gung ho. If you're Keanu Reeves, it's just not a good idea. Um, and he would never, I don't think a, a beginner surfer would ever have been able to paddle out there. Like he never would have made it to the lineup to get in position for that A-frame. So uh, I thought that, that that part was was very, very inaccurate. However, the part where he gets clobbered and almost drowns and gets pulled under and the way he falls off his board, that is very accurate. That he looked like he had no idea what he was doing, and it, it that he sold it. So anyway, by some miracle, maybe there was a lull and he made it out there. Uh, so anyway, that's my opinion on the surfing for that first part. Okay, so to your point um, of the filming locations, so the entire film, the locations are varied. Um, they film in Malibu. Uh, they film uh, in Santa Monica. Uh, they film in El Segundo, and they film in. Leo Carrillo Beach, right? So yeah, all, that's all over LA, LA. Yeah. and they film uh, and they film certain surfing sequences in Oahu, uh, all over and in and Waimea. Gnarly. Yeah. So for me, watching the the part where he's getting trashed and rolled under, um, I was like, boy. I mean, that's what it feels like. Because, I mean, that's happened to me. I don't know if that's happened to you. Getting just caught and pulled under. Oh, plenty of times. Yeah. I mean, that that's... I think they do a really good job of showing just how terrifying that is. And that you really do... You need to be pulled out of it so you don't die. Um, so I feel like that's really accurate. And they did a good job on that part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I really like 
I love Lori Petty's character, Tyler. I feel like there's maybe some kind, sometimes there's a tendency um, for a female character, um, like if she's supposed to be like super tough or whatever, they overdo it a little bit. But I think her character is very believable and I feel I feel like she does a great job and I really like her as a character. What was your impression? Yeah, I thought, I thought she was really great too. It's funny um, when I when I saw the movie, I had no idea that that like a girl's gonna be the one to teach him to surf. And actually, uh, a, a friend of mine who's a girl taught me to surf. Her name was uh, Margaret, but she had people call her Margarita, and I was in college. And she taught me on a pink surfboard. So my first surf surfing experience was not really that much different from Keanu's and, and Point Break, except the surf was like surf was like two to three foot on the day that I went out and I went out at Seal Beach. So uh, a little, a little different, not, not like monstrous, you know, like eight foot plus, uh, surf. And, uh, I guess it could have been, you know, could have been Leo Korea or zeros or something. I'm not sure exactly what to film that. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's, she's a good female character, lots of power. And then throughout the movie, she, um, she, she is, she's not, you do not mess with her. She's, she's a very strong character. She doesn't need a knight in shining armor. Um, really great. Uh, very underrated for sure. Yeah, I guess a very great uh, female empowerment kind of vibe before that was even really a thing. You know, it just was. Yeah. They didn't make a big deal out of it. They didn't necessarily have to point it out and put big arrows like, oh, this is what we're doing. Aren't we amazing? It just was. Uh, to me, makes it even better. Yeah, definitely. And then as, as Johnny Utah progresses throughout the film and he has to, you know, choose and not let her down not only like does he have to deal with the wrath of of what might be come of that but also like she's gorgeous and you don't want to mess it up with her so right. I thought, you know perfect casting yes absolutely um and then we get introduced to Bodie Miller Bodie Miller's a real sorry. person Bodie Miller's a sorry not Bodie <laughs> <laughs> plot twist yeah, but yeah, but Bodie, uh, what a classic character! What a classic character! Yeah, I Just mean, so great. I mean, so, so fantastic. So Bodie, so Bodie used to be involved with Tyler, and so now they're just part of this group. Um, and so Bodie kind of likes him. He kind of thinks he's a character, so he invites him to stay and play football on the beach. And of course. Johnny Utah is going to be one of the quarterbacks of, you know, team versus team. It seems like it's a shirts versus skins uh, situation. And, of course, you have the classic, like, headlights and bonfires that's lighting up the sand and the beach. And, again, we then we find out that Johnny Utah is really good at football. Bodie gets in a scuffle with Johnny Utah in the water Bodie's crew comes to assist and back him up and he says, you know who this is. It's fine. It's Johnny. Johnny Utah. You know. Rose, from the Rose Bowl. He played for Ohio State. And so all conference, number nine, man. Oh yeah, you're number nine. Yeah, I had my knee pulled back 90 degrees the wrong way. And, he, and then he tells them that he's a lawyer. Going with the cover story. Going with the cover story. Which is ironic because in the film The Replacements, Keanu Reeves plays the character Shane Falco, 
the All-American quarterback who also played for Ohio State in the 1996 Sugar Bowl. So I don't know if Keanu Reeves actually plays football in real life, but the cinematic universe certainly thinks he does. So now we see the story progress to now Johnny Utah is now part of this group, this crew. He's now infiltrated and, and kind of be, starts to become friends. He's surfing with them all the time. He's hanging out with them at their house. He's kind of dating Tyler now. Everything's going great. So in two weeks since he started surfing, two banks have been robbed by the ex-presidents. Um, and also... Uh, the FBI is still asking for, you know, production from you being an undercover agent. Are you making any progress on this case? If not, we're going to pull the plug and we're going to reassign you somewhere else. So they start to collect hair samples from different surfers in different breaks to try and break it down and pinpoint what, where these surfers, what breaks they're surfing at. They go to an, a new break where they're uh, where they've had these positive test samples in comparison, and Keanu Reeves gets in a fight, and Bodie comes to his aid in the shower fight next mm. to the break. Uh, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony Kiedis gets in the mix. Now, Miguel, Bye. your vast experience of surfing. Uh, Getting in the fight uh, over territory at the showers, is that a normal occurrence? Uh, it's not a normal occurrence, no, but it, it does occasionally happen. You hear about it uh, in the South Bay. Uh, Malibu is notoriously uh, territorial. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not far-fetched that something like that um, would happen. But um, I think that nowadays it's a lot less common because I think that there's just so many people out surfing that it's just like, you know, what do you, what do you do? Fight, fight, fight everybody. And, you know, if uh, anyone feels uh, hesitant about surfing a certain spot or all that, just roll in with a crew and no one will mess with you. But if you just show up as some lone surfer, kind of like, you know, Keanu's out there, um, that that's a, a good way to, to get beat up because people that like to fight out there in the water and stuff, they're not tough guys. You know, they, they, they like to outnumber people and uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, I think that this kind of made a, this this scene in the movie, considering it came out in 1991, it did two things. I think it, it made surfers feel like they're real tough and people should be scared of them. And I think it made people like, uh, you know, consider surfers as like real aggro and stuff like that. And uh, I think that like, you know, not that many surfers are, are aggro and crazy aggressive, but uh, it's definitely realistic that this could happen. And then, but, but Keanu. Swayze looks so good after the fight. It just seems like to get out without a scratch. I think that part's very unrealistic, but anyway, that's it. Um, and then, Miguel, uh, out of all of the house beach parties that you've attended, uh, how many uh, how many occasions are people, um, you know, eating and breathing fire uh, while blasting Jimi Hendrix? I've never had that experience, but I also, also I didn't surf in the 80s and 90s, so I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I didn't surf until, you know, uh, the last decade. So. Um, would you would you say it's a common occurrence at, at beach parties during the summer that you would exchange big wave stories with your friends ar around the bonfire? 
For sure. And then uh, a lot of surfers also have a, t- a tendency to um, elaborate and be very, uh, you know, to over embellish their big wave stories. And, you know, sometimes there'll be someone down the way that'll hear and be like, dude, it wasn't 10 feet. It was like four feet. You know, but everyone thinks that when they get into a barrel, it's like triple overhead or something. Or it's like, you know, it's like it's like eight or nine foot Hawaiian, which is like, you know, over your head. So um, that's definitely something that happens all the time. It's hard to go out in a surf session and not hear someone's big wave story. You Like I uh, at my home break here in Huntington, I meet a lot of new surfers out on the water, like to come talk to me. They'll see me surfing. I'll catch some nice wave. And um, they'll always everyone always has like a big wave story. <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that sort of exchange is, is, there's a term for it, and I believe it's called talking story. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Talking story? Yes. That's not not like talking point, it's like talking story? Yeah, brah, you know, just sit around, talk story, you know. I haven't heard of that, but um, I'm I'm just one surfer amongst thousands, so I don't know. So, so while they're at this beach party, we hear the story that uh, there's going to be at Bell's Beach in Australia the 50-year storm, and the biggest surf, and I will be there because you want to be the ultimate, you gotta pay the ultimate price. So now we get the the setup that we're like, okay. That's where they're going. That's the ultimate goal this year is that there's the 50-year storm in Bells Beach, Australia to ride the biggest waves. And that's going to be happening. We get to then see them night surfing, which is obviously shot during the daytime with a filter on because you can see the sun glistening in the shadows and you're like, Okay, is that supposed to be a full moon? But it's obviously the sun, and it they just put the filter on. I'm going to put myself out there again and suggest yep. that the term is, let's shoot it day for night. Correct. That's definitely a thing. It's, I've very, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't get it like an intro that I do. Uh, cinematography as well but i i hear that term all the time i've never shot day for night i've never had anyone ask me to do it because of uh what you just mentioned it's just this idea that's obvious this, the moon doesn't quite do that uh, it's obvious so um it's very interesting <laughs> and then and my, one thing i love about that scene is uh the character rosie uh played by lee turgeson who you may recognize from the film Wayne's World, where he he plays the I love you man. Uh, but in this film, uh, he plays a very different character, uh, the maniacal, murderous Rosie. Uh, he's, he lays back on the beach while everybody's night surfing and starts a bonfire, not by unscrewing the cap of lighter fluid, but instead stabbing it with the most enormous knife you've ever seen, and then squeezing it with both hands onto the flames, getting lighter fluid all over his arms and legs in the process. And it's just like, okay, that's one way to do it. <laughs> right. Definitely such a guy thing to do, right? <laughs> oh, I guess. I feel like they probably added that on the day because as we find out at the end, 
he is very skilled with a knife and he's going to use those skills ah. to murder Tyler as a threat. So it's like, oh, we need to put something in there where we show your character is very comfortable with knives. What can you do? And the guy's like, I don't know. I'm supposed to sit on the beach next to a bonfire. They go, uh, why don't you stab that lighter fluid with a knife? And he's like, uh, you want me to stab the lighter <laughs> fluid with a knife? Yeah, it'll look cool. Yeah? Trust me. Go with it. And it's just like, uh, all right. And there it is on the screen for all time. I'd also like to imagine that Gary Busey was hanging out hanging out on set and, and made that suggestion, too. So that's, that's my theory. And then we have... You know what you guys should do? That's what I think. <laughs> anyway, moving on. And then we have uh, Johnny Utah and Tyler wake up in the morning, you know, on the beach with the towel, and he's got to run away real quick because they're doing a house raid on the suspects of who they believe are the ex-president, surfers, uh, find out that which it's... Were, which were the, the gang that beat him which up Which was the gang the that beat him up on the beach. And we find out that it, it's actually a drug house. They have lots and lots of guns, and people get shot in the process during the raid, and it goes horribly awry. And then we find out there's a guy that's in deep cover in, for the, the DEA... And he's been undercover for for three months trying to bust a crystal meth ring, and they completely messed it up. To which I said to Kara, now Kara, she went to school um, and studied criminal justice. I said to Kara, I go, why and how would that happen? They're all in law enforcement. Why would they allow this to happen? And Kara said... Because different branches of law enforcement don't always share information of ongoing investigations. That That's how they screwed that up. And it's just like, that seems terrible. Whoa. And the undercover agent is played by Tom Sizemore, the actor, who's been in unco- undercover three months. Three months. You think I like this hair? Do you think I like this tattoo? Come on, man. What the heck? <laughs> He, he is, he is not credit, he is not in the credits, but I gotta tell you, five stars. He did great. We were convinced that he was an undercover meth head. Um, and then Johnny Utah, and based on the demeanor and how he is interacting with his crew and his gang, the, the inner circle, how they're communicating the hand signals, he, Keanu Reeves realizes that Bodie is the head of the ex-presidents and the rest of the surfing crew that he has now become friends with and involved with are in fact the ex-presidents who are bank robbers and all of that. And it, and Bodie says, you all right? Looks like you've seen a ghost. Which is what Gary Busey said in the beginning is that they're Then go- we, have the, we have the overlay and the echo. They're a ghost. They're a ghost. They're a ghost. Which, by the way, Patrick Swayze was also working on the film Ghost at the time. Coincidence. <laughs> and also, uh, they find out that Bodie has boxed up the entire beach house. They have officially moved out of the house. Everything is in storage beyond the move and have one last stop 
before they start to go on their search and their pilgrimage for this 50-year storm. So they are doing a stakeout, Johnny Utah and Pappas are doing a stakeout, and he is supposed to be doing a lookout for the car for pulling up to the bank. And, of course, uh, Pappas doesn't see him because he is eating his sandwich and then realizes, oh my gosh, there's the car, and in 90 seconds, the ex-presidents go in and out, and then now they're in the getaway car driving away. Johnny Utah opens fire on a moving, speeding vehicle down an L.A. very, very busy street. And I'm like, holy cow, what, what are you doing? What's happening? And then there's the car chase. And then from the car chase, we then have Bodie being chased by Johnny Utah, through a residential neighborhood, hopping fences, going through houses. Which I have to say, I feel like that filming sequence, that chase sequence, is on par with the chase sequence from Raising Arizona with Nicolas Cage. It's fantastic. I think they did a great job. I wonder if they got the same guy who did the steady cam for that, because it's <laughs> fantastic. They did a great job. Got to check on IMDb. It's very possible. Yes. And over the course of the foot chase, Johnny Utah re-injures his knee. Oh. And I have flashbacks because I've torn my meniscus and my ACL, and I know exactly what that feels like. And when he's oh, on me, the me too. And when he's on the ground writhing in pain from jumping into the, uh, the what is it, the water canal? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and he, yeah, the aqueduct, and he's screaming in pain, and he has the chance to shoot Bodie, and he doesn't. He, sh he pops up an entire clip into the air, which I'm like, okay, those bullets are going to come down somewhere. And he lets yeah. and he lets Bodie get away. Uh, so, uh, you guys think it's weird that you know Keanu's been doing all this stuff throughout the movie. He's been surfing. He makes like you know he he's been doing so many things. And 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 surfing is really really tough on your knees. So there's two possibilities here. One is that um, it's kind of uh, it's kind of bull that this happened, right? It's not good. Or uh, like it's 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 poor writing. Or did he hurt himself surfing in the night scene? Because, you know, he was surfing the, you know, because uh, when you're learning to surf and you want to surf the first big waves, you always go at night, right? That's a good idea. It's a terrible <laughs> idea, actually. Don't ever do it. But, um, you know, so perhaps, you know, he, he just pushed it too hard with his, on his knee with all these extreme activities. And then finally, just that little hop that, that did it. Uh, I think that might be more plausible than the lazy riding. Um, or maybe the lazy riding just got lucky. <laughs> Well, I'm but not it sure. Been something else that hurt his knee so much. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah, and then um, to your point, uh, that particular scene was uh, filmed in Culver City, uh, the concrete riverbed. I mean, it's a pretty steep drop onto concrete. And so I think even if you didn't have a knee injury, you would be injured. It, because because the reason why it re-injures is because it's the same knee that he injured having bent back 90 degrees the opposite way. Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. But um, with the chase scene and how long it goes for, I mean, I was like, how far 
did he run? How far did he have to chase Bodie before he got injured? It seems like. And P.S. Patrick Swayze is wearing that full vinyl mask the entire time, running flat out, and he's still faster. But he's got Zen on his side, so I guess that, you know, imbues him with extra powers. So now Bodhi knows that Johnny Utah is an FBI agent and that Bodhi now owes Johnny Utah a solid because Johnny Utah could have killed, he could have shot and killed Bodhi, but he didn't. He let him go. So now both of them know each other's <clears throat> secret identity and it's like, uh-oh, where is this going to go from here? And Bodhi is all about karma. So the next scene we see is uh, Keanu Reeves, a.k.a. Johnny Utah, is asleep in bed and is awoken by having a gun pointed in his face. And you think, oh, is it the gang catching up to him? No, it's Laura Petty, a.k.a. Tyler, and she is none too pleased because she has found his FBI badge with his true identity. And so I think this scene is amazing because it's just like, I don't think it's over the line at all the way she's feeling. Well, first of all, he's lied to her the whole time. And he also used private information to find out the most intimate um, things about her and concoct a story that he knew would cut her to the core and it's it's pretty it's pretty bad it's just like yeah i mean i don't know if a jury would have convicted her honestly <laughs> so the fact that she had the restraint not to uh to let him live uh speaks a lot about her and there's a meme of her moment where she says to you even have a soul and i think she delivers that line so fantastically because it does it cuts to the core of her character and she's just fantastic so anyway and then johnny utah tries to chase after her but his knee is injured so he can't even move to chase after her and so he keeps trying to call her and call her to apologize and explain himself and then he goes does the old fallback uh, the trope of every male uh, in a movie where he's trying to apologize, but again, he's so angry at himself that he projects that anger onto her, which cracks me up every time because I'm like, oh my gosh, hashtag real life. Um, but it's so fantastic because immediately, you know, he's a, you still go with him being a good guy because he immediately realizes his mistake and tries to apologize for it again. So he can't get a hold of her, and then there's a knock at the door, and he's very hopeful and assumes, oh, she's gotten all my messages, she's back, and it's like, mm, no, it's Patrick Swayze, a.k.a. Bodie, and you're going on a trip whether you like it or not. We're going skydiving. <laughs> now, question, Miguel. Uh, if you were going skydiving would you would you trust to go skydiving with the guy that you just realized is is robbing banks for funsies probably not um 
you'd have to wonder if um, they're going to, you know, take your shoot or like, you know, give you a shoot that wasn't packed properly. Uh, I, I'd be, uh, I'd be rather hesitant to get into a uh, plane that you're going to jump out of with someone who has, you know, good reason to see that you die, you know? So. And, and to <laughs> your point, you're to your point of not trust. Do you trust someone that packs your shoot? That is something that happens on the plane where he goes, oh, I messed up my knee pretty bad. Uh, and they're like, Oh, don't worry. We're not landing. We're not going to, going to land on land and he goes oh great i feel so much better and in the plane you know here's a parachute and he goes oh no uh you know oh no you don't want that one it's you, set for a neck breaker it's set for a neck breaker you want this one no you want this one and he actually Bodie actually says you don't trust that yep. i packed it here take mine so we're like, okay, is he actually? And then they have as they're falling. The... I thought of the princess and the bride, right? When, uh, you know, inconceivable. You know, it's just like you, you know the, the poison. You know, the goblet. Uh, I thought I thought it was going to be something like, um, you know, Bodhi mispacked both shoots, and <laughs> and he was just going to like, you know, he had he had an emergency shoot. He had some other plan to land. That's kind of where I, where I was going with it because you know he's so extreme and. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's so, what I thought. Well, yeah, because they're going to be meat waffles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they filmed they film, they film the skydiving stuff in Lake Powell, Utah. So Johnny Utah went to Utah to film this scene. Um, so that's a heck of a road trip. Now, they don't tell us that in the movie that we've gone to Utah. I I would think that they um, probably within the universe of this story, they like traveled to Idlewild or something like that. Probably I think where they do skydiving or in or in Otay Mesa. Yeah, by the border. But anyway, but in the exchange while they're falling, Johnny Utah and Bodie are they're holding on to each other and they say, "You pull your shoot." No, you pull it first. And they go, you better, you know, do it quickly or we're going to be meat waffles. Exactly. Um, and then they finally open their chute and Bodhi's like, you're crazier than I am. Um, so they kind of have this weird bonding moment and it's, it's kind of strange. It's, yeah, a, a machismo match off kind of thing. Yes. And then we find out that, Bo that Bodhi has had Tyler... Kidnapped and Rosie has her, and as long as Johnny Utah does what Bodie wants and says, and you're gonna go rob this last bank with us, Tyler will be okay and set free at a certain time and place. And this is when we get the very special one liner I can't do that, I am an FBI agent. <laughs> And it's 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 so great. And I go, I know, ain't it wild, man? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like this is the point where Bodie, the Bodie character, he's gone off the rails. Um, he he has he has turned a corner where he's gonna get all this time. He's been kind of zen, uh, believing in karma and everything, and this has flipped his switch. His aggro has completely kicked in, and now Bodhi's motivation is win at all costs. When 
Johnny Utah, Bodie, and the crew roll up to this bank to commit this last robbery, Bodie tells Johnny, sorry, Johnny, looks like you don't get to be president. So which means when they go to rob this bank, Johnny Utah is himself and everybody else is masked. So when they go to rob the bank, everybody can see his face and, and you know, ID him. He's going to be an accomplice. He'll be an accomplice, even though he's an FBI agent. And they're like, you don't have a choice. And so they go to the vault. He's very reluctant, but he does it anyway because he knows that Tyler will be killed. And in this bank robbery, they're not in and out in 90 seconds. They choose and decide... This is our last hurrah. We're caught no matter what. So we're going to go big and we're going to go for the vault. And the rest of the crew is like, we never go for the vault. And he goes, just do it. And so this causes all kinds of problems. Um, A police officer ends up getting shot and killed and two other people. And Johnny luckily is wearing a bulletproof vest. He gets and shot two or three times and they assume that he's dead (laughs) and then Bodie's crew also gets shot his brother dies well I don't think he's necessarily a actual relation brother I mean I think it's more of the zen everyone's your brother brother part Um, of the crew but uh to that point the the other actors that are part of the gang crew um, they're actually professional surfers in real life who they cast for the movie. And then we have, after the bank robbery, we have a shootout at the airport where everything's getting loaded into a private plane. So another crew member uh, from Bodie's unit of the ex-presidents gets shot and killed. And then also Johnny Utah's partner, Gary Busey, gets shot and killed. Which is terrible. It's a a bloodbath. It's terrible before they can even get off the ground. So again, everything has gone bananas. Everything has gone out the window. Um, And so now Johnny and Bodie and one of the other living ex-presidents is getting into a plane to parachute out to jump out of the plane with all of the money. They're going to Rosarito, I think? They're going to Mexico. I don't know. Do you remember? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) They're going across the border. They're going across the border. They're going to Mexico. uh, And in this game, we both lose. And when Bodie jumps out of the airplane, he leaves Johnny Utah with no parachute. And he says, see you in the next life, Johnny, and drops out. So Johnny has to make a decision. Do I stay in the plane and let him go? Or do I jump out of a perfectly good airplane and jump after Bodie with no parachute? And he has a split second decision and he jumps out of the plane with no parachute. Now, Miguel, what, what were your thoughts? Would you, would you jump out of a plane with no parachute to catch some bank robber? Oh, never, because it's it's a paycheck, you know. It's it's uh, you know, up well. I guess someone else will get him. <laughs> um, but uh, 
you know, that's the direct direct uh, Catherine Bigelow said so. So now we have that scene. <laughs> and I, I love the exchange as they're falling again is Johnny is holding on to Bodie with one hand on the parachute and the other hand is his gun with it against Bodie's head and he goes, pull the chute, man, pull the cord or we're both going to die. And, and Bodie, to his credit, he says, if I pull the chute, you got to use both hands to hold on. You got to drop the gun and you got to make the decision and the choice. So finally, he decides, well, you're right. We're either both going to die if I only have one hand with the gun. So he throws the gun away and holds on. And Bodie, because he owes Johnny a solid, he pulls the ripcord and ends up saving both of them. And they hit the ground hard in the middle of this desert i mean that i mean again if you didn't break both your legs and your ankles on that impact i i don't you got to be made of that should have triggered johnny's knee injury again uh just just saying you know (laughs) (laughs) well i feel like johnny utah doesn't move a whole lot um after that impact i mean he tries um, but I don't think he's moving a whole lot. Patrick Swayze, uh, Bodie is way more mobile. I think it's, I think it's a sweatpants. Those elastic, those elastic banded sweatpants, I think help him move a little quick. Yeah. Bodie's just, uh, his plot, his plot armor and, 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 and powers are too, too great to, <laughs> for any of this to affect him in any way. He made, he made that drop into the, uh, into the riverbed that uh that johnny couldn't make and then you know this this worked out too apparently so and so Bodie tells rosie to release tyler tyler gets released to johnny and then they pick up Bodie and rosie pick up the bags of money which some of the bags of money exploded because some of the money was on the friend who died mid parachute drop and so his money's just flying all over the desert so it's just like they ended up losing like half of the money anyway through their shenanigans. But I guess because, you know, in principle, Bodhi got what he wanted. So he considers it a win, but it's like, okay. So in the process of this jump, all the, the whole crew of ex-presidents, except for Bodhi, are and, killed. Well, and Rosie. Yeah, and, and, and Rosie dies as well. Well, we don't know that yet, yeah. but he will. Uh, he will. And then uh, Johnny and Tyler are essentially left in the desert. And I'm like, how are they going to get out of this mess? They don't have a cell phone. They're in the middle of nowhere. And then we have uh, a hard cut to, again, a, a, a very rainy, raining cats and dogs that's pouring onto this beach. And we can see that it's Australia because of the sign at the beach and then everybody's accents talking to Johnny Utah. And so we realize, oh, this must be Bell's Beach, Australia for the 50-year storm, which is what Bodie had mentioned and alluded to uh, at, at the beginning of the film. And people who are coming off the beach are saying to Johnny Utah, no one's going out, man. You gotta be crazy. 
Miguel, how often how often do you go surfing when in the, the weather conditions are that way? Uh, it's it's very it's very rare for everything to work out that well. I'm not a big wave surfer. If I see surf that's over ten foot, I it's very questionable whether or not I'm going to go out. It's got to be really good, look really clean, really good shape. But it's interesting they talk about this fifty year storm. So who was surfing fifty years ago? that could vouch for that like oh yeah it made like it made great waves you should have seen these lefts um so that's a, a little odd it's because just because you know a storm's going to produce big waves doesn't mean that those waves are going to be good because depending on where that storm forms it's going to make a really uh a really distinct south swell or it's going to make a southwest swell and you know how what's the what's what exactly is the direction of the swell and the size it's going to affect the beach differently whether it's a point break or a reef break or you know beach breaks generally you don't want to surf big waves there because it can be very unpredictable um but uh, the answer is uh is 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 probably uh never i guess <laughs> so those conditions never you know i'll never i'll never do that well i feel I'm not like getting paid to surf you know <laughs> <laughs> well i mean obviously there's the huge waves at waimea um, that happened um, right. in the '60s, which was, you know, there's documentaries about that, and that's been written about a few, t um, many times. So I feel like right. that's probably part of the inspiration, story-wise, um, that they're pulling from. Uh, why the uh, writers decided to make it Bell's Beach, Australia specifically, I, I could not find. Um, it sounds good, you know. It sounds it sounds convincing to to anyone. You know, yeah, and whatever. and I think it fits with the profile that you need lots of money in order to get there. Right, right. This isn't this isn't a camp. This isn't a weekend camping in San Onofre. You know, this is different. San Onofre, just so y'all know, is a uh, it's a state beach in uh in 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 Southern California, the border of San Diego and Orange County. Yeah, y'all. Hey, hey, you guys all going up to Santa or what? <laughs> nice one <laughs> everyone we pack your long boards we're going to santa <laughs> get your logs ready johnny utah confronts a a hooded figure on the beach in the rain and we see that it's bodie and he says lose something brah i i tried to track you down in mexico fiji and now He's he's tracked him down and he's here at the. He also at, he also tells informs Patrick Swayze, aka Bodie, that uh, Rosie is dead. He uh, got into a fight that uh, came across an unclaimed piece of meat that used to be Rosie. So it they implicate that he did not change his ways. He was still a very violent person and he met a very violent end. So literally the last man standing of the crew is Bodie and Johnny Utah has found him. And so Bodie and Johnny Utah start wrestling and fighting in the water. And while Bodie is drowning Johnny Utah. Johnny slaps on the cuffs and he Bodie lifts up his arms and goes, No, 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 and you can't do this. 
You know I can't handle living in a cage, man. You gotta go down. It's gotta be this way. Oh, gosh. I told them you would go quietly. Which why? Why would you tell him that they'd get, he'd go quietly? Nothing in his character since moment one would tell you that he would go quietly. So, so Bodie, <laughs> so then Bodie convinces Johnny to let him get just one wave, man. Just one wave. There's cliffs on both sides, man. I ain't gonna paddle to New Zealand. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Which, I mean, in that situation, Miguel, would you attempt to paddle to New Zealand? No, not, not even paddle. Period. It's 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 the the rain is pouring. The the conditions are really stormy. You know, you're gonna get the, uh, you know, the the thirty foot plus equivalent of that wave that wrecked johnny utah in the beginning of the movie you're gonna get like you know a, a, a larger version of that and you're gonna just get pummeled and sucked under uh and you're gonna hit the rocks so uh you know I, I wouldn't have i wouldn't think i'd get to the you know whatever the buoy is out there that marks where the boats are supposed to stop heading to shore you know I, you wouldn't make it there's no way there's no way so to your point that you're saying there's no way that he would make it I, I think that that's why Johnny Utah takes the cuffs off and lets Bodie go out because he knows their closeout sets. He can tell by how no one is surfing and how bad the conditions are and how crazy he is that more likely than not, he's not going to make it. And even though his character, Johnny Utah, is relatively a novice at surfing, He's been, quote, surfing every day, which I find kind of crazy because he's clearly been all over the world trying to find Bodie. That's all he's dedicated his recent life to. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, maybe, like, but it's like, wow, you're working really hard. But maybe he's going out and surfing at all these remote places <laughs> looking for Bodie out in the lineup. Why would he need to remain undercover surfing all over the world to try to find <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> he like he's like telling the fbi no no it's really important that i stay undercover and that i and i surf all these exotic you places need, over the you world you need to pay for my bag check for my board check for me the, to the go the simplest answer is is often the most plausible one <laughs> so that's that's got that's that's got, that's got it. I, I would i would do that um i i've 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 had uh, work for uh, a few tv shows and i actually got you know paid to go travel and surf and yeah you know i was you know kind of adding a stop here and there it's totally plausible totally plausible <laughs> um, but i doubt he was surfing every day because if you're surfing you know if you're traveling around the world um you know is there going to be waves at every stop every day it's pretty tough there's a lot of you know dead periods there there's um a lot of times when uh there are no waves at a lot of places and then you have to keep traveling so anyway um hey little little uh hard to believe he was surfing every day hey. you know and looking for him uh you should have been here yesterday bro <laughs> <laughs> so, so so johnny takes the cuffs off of Bodie and lets him go out into the water 
to... Yeah, because essentially he's saying, well, I'm not going to arrest him and get him put, go through a jury trial, get convicted, and then go to prison. Essentially, Johnny Utah uh, is allowing him to choose a death sentence, essentially. That the way he is going to pay and atone for his crimes is die. And to hearken back to what Bodhi said near the beginning, it's not tragic to die doing what you love. So Johnny Utah is essentially both absolving him of his sins and his crimes by allowing him to choose the punishment of his crime, which is to die at sea. Trying to achieve, right. trying to achieve his ultimate dream. So in the end, Johnny Utah still cares about Bodhi um, and doesn't want him to deny his dream. Essentially, so it's it's kind of interesting that even though he almost murders Johnny Utah and almost murders his, the woman he loves, essentially. Um, and he murdered his friend, uh, Gary Busey, who didn't hurt anybody ever and just got, you know, pumped full of lead and left to die with no aid rendered whatsoever. He just ditches him and lets him go. It's, it's interesting. It's it's poetic. It's heavy. So, so to, yeah. to your point, Bodhi said at the house party, when they were talking about this 50-year storm, he says... When you want to be and live the ultimate, you got to pay the ultimate price, which is what's going to happen here. And so when the Australian police come on the beach and see that Bodie is paddling out, they say to uh, Johnny Utah, you let him go. And he responds, no, I didn't. And I didn't actually catch this line, but Heather did. And Johnny Utah says, shout to to himself, looks out to the sea, looks out to Bodhi's fading silhouette via Condios, which translates to go with God. And you see Bodhi drop in to this huge massive wall of water which you know is just gonna completely close out and he falls off doesn't make the drop falls off and in and, and it, the wave collapses and the australian police say we'll get him when he comes back in and johnny says he's not coming back and then you see johnny walk away with his strut on the beach and he tosses his badge into the ocean. Which, yeah, so the final thing you see is Johnny Utah's FBI badge drop into the ocean, which I believe tells us he is donezo with the law. He He's had this experience. It was his first experience in law enforcement, essentially, and the experience of this um, was way too much, and he can't go through this again. He it literally almost cost him everything he had, and I don't know. Is it was it 
to set up a possible sequel where we see what's next for Johnny Utah and that just never happened? Or, I mean, I love the ending. I think it's great. It's very full circle. But I just don't know if, they, we never see Tyler again, which is, I mean, story-wise, that's fine. Um, we It's implied that they're still together. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's, it's both resolved and unresolved because he's closed the case. He's got his man. He has accomplished his mission. So why, so he's quitting everything he's worked for? Because I would think him pulling off, accomplishing the mission of finding and ending Bodhi's life, everything's tied off. I think that would be a good thing on his record um, professionally. So I wouldn't think he'd be let go from the service um, or anything marked against him. If anything, I would think he'd be uh, a valuable asset to the force. Um, so I'm not really sure if it's just emotionally he's worked and he's done and he needs to move on to his life. But we never see... Um, any other life that he could have had, you know, like this was always his um, thing that he wanted was to be part of the FBI. So for him to just yeah. cut ties with everything, it's kind of like, well, what's he going to do now? Well, I think he's going to try and find another job where he gets paid to learn how to surf and, and surf the world. That's what I think that he's going to try. Uh, this is my opinion. Um, in regards to, you know, how you know the story is resolving and whatnot you know um bodhi uh you know for um buddhism it means like the final enlightenment um right and it's like uh bodhi is this character that is um he he's a very uh he's a very active uh antagonist and uh, keanu's character is kind of uh, a very um what's what's the uh he's a passive protagonist right so Bodhi's taking um, Utah on this journey throughout the whole movie. He's, he's constantly a step behind him. He's constantly getting dragged into this and that. Um, even like the learning how to surf, you know, he, you know, Bodhi and the crew take over from what Tyler had started. And, uh, you know, Keanu uh, starts out the movie, you know, kind of, you know, kind of lost. He doesn't seem to fit in with the FBI agents. Um, so maybe this is just setting him on a journey to find himself and, uh, you know, more or less, um, he sees, you know, Bodhi kind of like, you know, live in the life, right. Except for the part where he's a violent criminal. Um, but at the very end, we have the storm. We have, you know, it's clearly the surf is not working out. It's, 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 it's blown out. It's terrible, but you know, he still has to go out and make it happen. Just like, you know, for the final bank heist, they still have to go all out. They went for the vault. Um, so just, you know, we have a lot of metaphors throughout the film. You know, we never go for the vault. We're going for the vault. Jumping out of the par uh, jumping out of the plane without a parachute. Um, so Bodie just did the equivalent to those two things. He went for the vault and jumped out of the plane without a chute as he paddled out to his demise. Uh, so I think that's, um, it's probably, I think the, the, the short answer to that is that it's, we're, we're, we're watching um, Utah watch Bodhi kind of, you know, ascend and descend into, you know, destruction. So. And for me, I feel like 
Um, I understand why they ended it where it was, and I think it's an extremely satisfying ending um, with the badge in the water. Um, but I feel like there could have been an additional scene at the end because uh, of, of where, you know, he's clearly, he's accomplished his mission. He has decided to abandon um, the force because it was all too much. And I think a scene, a possible scene that could have happened was to show uh, Johnny Utah and Tyler um, still in Los Angeles, uh, Malibu, um, and have them having a surf school where the two of them teach people how to surf because uh, Tyler's character, surfing is so much a part of her and gave her so much, uh, which of course is what happened for Johnny Utah. He learned to surf and it became so much a part of him that that could be their new calling and perhaps even have something in there it, where they're teaching people how to surf, uh, possibly even, you don't have to necessarily make it ter- teaching children how to surf because at no point in this movie has it ever been child-centric except for the Grom um, at the surf school, at the surf shop, but teaching right. people how to surf and they, and they drop a little, um, line or a little bit of dialogue that pulls from Bodhi, like saying a Bodhi, uh, <coughs> Bodhiism, uh, something, something Zen, where it's like a little bit of a nod that even though Bodhi with all his flaws and all of this stuff, he was a big part of not only Tyler's life, but he was also a big part and influence on Johnny Utah as well. And even as flawed as Bodhi was, a lot of what his character embodied has a lot of uh, substance. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a word, but like a lot of what he was all about is important in life and can be applied in a very positive way. I don't know. I think I think that right. would have been cool. And it would have given a little bit more of a, a button at the end for the Tyler and Johnny Utah relationship. I don't know. That's just me. So, Miguel, now that you've officially watched this cult classic, Point Break, <laughs> would you would you recommend it to others who have not seen Point Break? And that oh, definitely, because um, outside of the surfing, it's just it's it's got you know we got we got the FBI agent, we got you know we got undercover. You know, we have we have skydiving, we have shootouts, we have foot chases, we have car chases, we have a, a, a plane chase, a, a, a diving out of a plane and like trying to, you know, two guys, one shoot. Um, it's a movie that kind of has like like everything going on. Like there's a little something um, for 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 everybody in it. So um, I think that anyone could watch it and, and, and love it. And I think that's definitely why it's a cult classic. Um, and, and there's a lot of care for the surfing. You guys already mentioned how um, in the posse, some of the lower build uh, characters, um, you know, were actual pro surfers. So there's actually a couple guys that know what they're doing and it helps make it look like. Um, uh, and I also noticed that um, I'm not sure if um, 
if Bodie too, but um, you know, they both had stunt doubles doing some of the big wave surfing and Utah's surfing regular. And he's also surfing goofy at different parts of the movie. And um, that is quite an accomplishment for a surfer in one summer. I'll tell you that someone who's been surfing a while as a, as a goofy foot surfer, as skateboarding, I can do a lot of tricks switch, you know, regular. And uh, I can't really surf worth a damn. Uh, I, I, I can't surf very well regular at all. Um, but, you know, I, I also wasn't a, uh, you know, football star, you know, back in my earlier days. So, uh, you know, it's Johnny Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and also for for as a new fan of Point Break, Point Break was mm. remade uh, a couple years ago. 2015. 2015. And when it came out, I was on the fence about remakes and I watched it. I, I rented it. I watched it. And the storyline isn't the same at all. It is more of an extreme adrenaline uh, junkies that they go skydiving. They do uh, huge um, base jumping. They do base jumping with the bird suits and they fly uh, through canyons and they jump off buildings and they jump off cliffs. They do spree lunking. Wow. They do. So it's less like point break as in a surf movie. It's more like point break in like, there's the point to that they want to break themselves. That's the point of the movie. That's, ex that they wanna... that's exactly right. Miguel, you hit where it. You, where you break. Um, you know, the establishing like um, how difficult surfing is and, you know, how, uh, you know, all these guys are, in, you know, they look great. They're in great shape. Uh, surfing it requires, uh, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle because, it, you know, it takes so much to get to that point. You have to dedicate a lot of time to it, et cetera, et cetera. You got to travel everywhere. Apparently you have to rob banks to be able to afford such a lifestyle. Um, and that's a huge part of the movie. And, and so, so the first half of the movie is like a surf film. Uh, and then the second half is when they get into all that skydiving, you know, um, business and, and then it gets, you know, those, all the shootouts and all that kind of crazy stuff. So, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to go, I don't know if I want to see it. Uh, I'm definitely going to like probably torrent it or something. I don't know if I'm going to pay to rent it, but it sounds like the core of the movie is gone. Like so many other remakes out there. I think you two should do a, a podcast about remakes, uh, specifically with a certain company that owns half of all media right now <laughs> that would be very interesting to hear in the future. Well, we actually just uh, purchase the Blade Runner double feature. Which I don't know if you've seen those films. And I've seen Blade Runner 2049. Huge fan of it. Um, if you'll have me back, I can talk your ear off. I okay. love that movie. Sounds it's, it's so it's so good. The, 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 the 2049 Um the the remake I, I thought was um it's 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 a perfect film i don't know if it's ever going to be a cult classic like the original but um you know for all the all the uh film buffs film geeks or whatever you want to call them out there like me um it was like the perfect film that we wanted it's just so it happens that those aren't always the most commercially popular last thing i'll add about that is that roger deakins excellent cinematographer very inspirational for me had been nominated 10 times or 11 times or something and he finally won for that movie so wow fantastic for, for the blade runner sequel yeah for blade runner 2049 deserved yeah. well and, and if you look at the 
means he earned it. That's just the the lighting setups he has. They're both. Um, he doesn't go high tech. He's very simplistic. He's a true artist. He's a, he doesn't just get expensive toys. And, you know, he actually is, he actually paints with light. He's, he's amazing. So I, I would say, I would yeah. say that I agree with you a thousand percent, but I'm going to say, I, I agree with you. 2,049%. <laughs> wow. Incredible. Thank you. <laughs> well, so, Miguel, thank you so, so much for uh, taking the time to view the movie Point Break, and then for taking the time to talk with us um, at extreme length about it. Um, I hope everyone listening um, enjoyed it as much as we did. I had a blast. Thanks for putting the movie on my radar. Uh, it did, just like surfing, I think the movie Point Break has changed my life. It's really fantastic. <laughs> Change your life, swear to God. Swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for everyone listening. And you've been listening to I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking for you to watch the cult classic Point Break.